Hello, everyone, and this is the We Are One podcast. Uh, today, we're bringing you the Biblical Manhood Part 2. Uh, the first upload that I had for this episode didn't go quite as planned, so I decided to make some revisions, go back and do some more editing, and add in some things that I thought was necessary uh, from the beginning. I apologize for that, but sometimes in the midst of doing things for the family and just being busy in general, life just kind of happens and and I try to post things uh, frequently or as frequently as possible. And in doing so, I believe I um, posted something that should have been fully completed and that is on me. So I apologize, but uh, we'll carry on. This is part two of Biblical Manhood. Um, We have a few topics that we go over, lots of stories. Um, it's just a good talk, like like always. So I hope you enjoy it and take care. Lord, uh, just thank you for uh, uh, you know bringing us here together tonight, and uh, pray that as we. Uh, talk and have fun that we also just um give us you know a heart that glorifies you and help us talk about things that glorify your kingdom and you know if it's only just one person that listens to this that um it can make a difference with then uh we pray you'll give us the things to say to help that person out lord and say holy name we pray amen hello and welcome this is the we are one podcast with myself nathan we got jordan with us we have a new guy named tom who's part of the church and we have brian which you've uh, heard before and uh, today is the second episode of Biblical Manhood, and we got a few uh, chapters in the Bible I think we're going to read from, and uh, I kind of wanted to continue what I was talking about last time. I think I got to this part here, and I'm just going to read this out, and it says, uh, A man teaches his family proper communication through prayer, opening the hearts and minds of their wives and children, whereas to be comfortable speaking to God. And I think I put that I believe this to be true uh, and helpful for your family, because if you're speaking to your father and being and opening up your heart, speak to your father, God, they will be able to communicate better with you as well. And I think that's I think that's one of the things a man should be able to do is kind of be a little vulnerable. times. Thank that's great stuff. That's great, good stuff. It is good stuff. So we, we did you have anything in the Bible that you wanted to read about that? Did you look up earlier or did you want to just kind of talk about that openly and then we'll get to that later? Yeah, well, I think we should talk about that openly. I think that would you you had you hit on a lot of things there that we can kind of break down. The first one would be prayer and how um, that is that is our way of communication to God. And I would say that's probably the foundation of biblical manhood. Yeah. We didn't say that last last time, but it really is. We did talk specifically about biblical manhood being with a strong marriage and what it looks like to lead our wives, and we'll go into that a little bit more tonight. But the prayer piece is huge, and it's something that's not recognized because, let's be honest, I mean, even in our own church, prayer is not something we're comfortable with. It's not something that we... It's not something that we want to focus on. We actually talked about that today in service, yeah. about how... We're, we're so strong on saying, well, read your Bible. You need to do this. Well, I'm not saying that. You should be reading the Bible. But for centuries, people didn't have the Bible available to them readily. Yeah. They, their, their way of communicating with God and to pouring into, themsel- pouring into themselves spiritually was communication with their father. 
yeah. through prayer. And I just we don't we don't do we don't commit enough time to that. I know I personally definitely do not commit enough time to prayer. I I do believe that even though um, even though prayer is something that is an intimacy with God, it's just like any intimacy that you have in any relationship, whether it be a friendship or the most intimate relationship we should have, you know, outside of our relationship with Christ with our wife. Yeah. It's something that you have to practice at. And if we do not set the expectation of prayer in our own life and also in the people around us, you know, we can't, even with our children. And a prime example I'll give is that we were in Tennessee last week and um, we were just having, you know, we got there on Monday and we had a great night. And then on Tuesday, we kind of woke up and the expectation with my kids was, you know, what are we going to do, whatnot. You know, Derek is going through that age. I'll just tell you, you guys, you know, that have boys, y'all understand. But as a principal, there's nothing more aggravating than an elementary age boy. They're just, that's yeah. just who they are. They just, they're goofy. They, they are, they don't know who they are. They're trying to find themselves in the world. Kidding. And so Derek was just constantly mouthing and being grumpy. And so we went to this event and he was just, just constantly being mouthy and constantly being grumpy, even though he had a good time, but he would not admit he had a good time. And so when we got home back to the hotel, I, I took away his pool time from him and let, you know, Sarah and, um, and Connie go on their own. And he was really upset about that. Of course, Sarah's landing all thick. Hey, buddy, well, I hope you get to join us and mm-hmm. all this. But regardless of everything that happened, at the very end of that, and after Derek had reconciled with me and apologized for how he'd been acting, I said, okay, well, now we need to take this to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I don't want to do that. I said, well, why not? He said, I'm scared. Right. I'm scared to do that in front of you. And I said, well, well son, if you can't take this to the Lord— then you have not been able to swallow your pride. And pride is the issue that you're struggling with right now. And that's why you're talking too much. And he said, so you're making me pray? I said, no, I'm not making you pray. I'm telling you that by your unwillingness to pray and talk to God, then that shows the position of your heart. And so even though it was hard for him, when he started praying, he started breaking down and crying, had this vulnerability. Well, later on that night when we prayed again, because I required him to pray before we go to bed. When he did that, he, instead of doing his typical prayer of, thank you, Lord, for this day. I hope you have a great day tomorrow. We're looking forward to fun stuff, whatever. He, he said, God, help me with my grumpiness. Help me with my mouth. You know, he said things that he hadn't said before. And I could see a heart change in him over the rest of the trip. I, I really think that we just don't do a good job in the church and in our families of training people to pray. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something that's trained, and it is a it's a discipline that you have to yeah, learn. Yeah, just do it. You just got to do it. I think that's yeah, the hardest part, just to do it. You hit also good points there, t- talking about practicing prayer. It is definitely a uh, diminishing, uh, I guess, perishable skill. Um, you know, here recently I've had some things going on at work that was just causing a little bit of stress, and even though you know I. I try to be intentional about praying every day. I, you know, kind of, I have a routine. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'll say that. I, I don't want it to sound like my prayers are just going through the motions. I, but I do try to have intentional prayer time every day. Um, because like I said, I think it's something you have to practice that. But then when something, that's easy when life's going smooth. And then as soon as I have a little bit of strife or, you know, conflict, I immediately just discard that and go back to worry worrying about it, like rationally going through all that, which there's nothing wrong with kind of think playing the tape through and trying to figure out how things are going. But that, but I, it's like I, I did that for probably a week 
and then it's like it hit me and it was almost you know i didn't hear like an audible voice from god but it's almost like so when are you going to bring it to me like when are you really going to bring it to me and, and like ask me for like really help about it and it you know and I, it was almost like wow i've waited days and days i've just worried myself to death and even knowing what i know like come to me you know yeah. in prayer it I, I don't do it because it's that human nature taking over of you know of and it's fear and fear, and, yeah. and it's probably some pride there too of you know let me it's still fighting that i can figure this out you know let me figure out what's best for this you know, there's a lot of pride in that, and um, and I and just one more point I want to make. No, no, and this this is just another. You said there's, you know, as a principal, there's nothing worse than elementary age boy. <laughs> I would say just wait about whatever, having seven, eight, ten more years when that till the testosterone kicks in, and then let me know if you still feel like that. Was the first time. It, but anyway, you'll no, nah, because your body well, it depends. So, yeah. Well, I think too with the with the prayer, um, the expectation of prayer. I, you know, I, I really get convicted as someone who is the primary person guiding the lesson on Sundays because I I will, every Sunday I realize, and some days I just feel really bad. You know, today was one of them that I don't set the expectation for prayer. And um, my my wife, you know, she will, she does a women's Bible study and, you know, she's gone on and off of that here and there. She's taken kind of a sabbatical from that. And they've kind of started up a little bit hit and miss. But she, she told me, you know, the very first thing, you don't care who it is, be a random person off the street. The expectation is everybody's praying. Yeah, that's right. And um, I just, I said, well, I mean, how do you do that? She goes, it's just the expectation. It's just set. And I think in my personality, um, I can have such a loss, fair, kind of like joking personality that that stern expectation is not set of we're going to go serious and we're going we're gonna to be serious with God. And so... But I mean, you don't want to, I mean, and when we say this, people are like, oh, you're forcing people to pray. You're forcing people in that. Yes and no. I mean, I mean, obviously we don't force people to pray in our church because I don't think we have the culture of prayer like I would want to see. I'd like to, for it to be stronger. Oh, I agree with that. But at the same point in time, it is a spiritual discipline. It is something that needs to be practiced. And if you don't practice it, um, it's hard. It's like I was telling Josh and I joked around, I was going to call on him. My dad used to get on me all the time in church. And I do the same thing my son does. Dad, don't talk to me about this. Don't call on me, whatever. And I was like 15 or 16. My dad's like, you need to start praying in church. But then I got married, and I still hadn't prayed out loud in church. And so finally I told him, I said, Dad, don't ever write me down to pray. I said, just randomly call on me one Sunday. And he did. Yeah. And I just had to. And after that, I felt more comfortable doing it. Yeah, you, know, you got to do it. That's what I used to. But I will tell you, I, I can't stand it when I go when I go to church, and I visit my dad's church every now and then. Like at the end of the service, like he's gonna call me and ask me to pray because I'm visiting today. So I kind of give him a look down, right? Yeah, you know, like I don't really want to do this today, you know. But I mean, Does it happen every time. No, he doesn't do that, honestly. But I, I I think a culture of prayer is different than just praying out loud in church. I, I don't I don't know. I, I think. I, I, I can't speak to this a whole lot. I don't have the prayer life that I feel like. That is a huge lacking. I don't have the prayer life that, that, I, that I desire to have. Yeah. And, and I, that's something I really need to work on. I agree with my, my, myself. I think that it's different for, you know, for me, I get extremely nervous, get really upset, maybe like overthink a lot of things when I start praying. You know, I really got to calm myself down a lot to focus on just speaking to God. And I think there's a the path is different for everybody else. Everybody might be might be different, but I think the expectation is true. 
you know, if if you're a biblical man, you would want to do that. That that would be something that you would aspire to do. Is like I want to pray one day. You know, I think that's you stepping up to the plate. That yet even for your family, whether even just starting with praying with your wife or praying with your family. I mean, just start there and and go go from there. But um, Tom, you didn't say much today. Well, I'm. Um, I was thinking about what Brian was talking about. You know, the last, it finally dawned on him, finally turn this over to God. Unfortunately, in the lifestyle, I guess you want to say that we were raised and grown up, it, the male was supposed to handle all the problems on his own. We were supposed to take on all the responsibility, all the pressure, earning the money, making sure there's a roof over your head, making sure everything at the house is working, your wife has a car, it's running, blah, 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 food on the table, just children are clothed, taken care of. We put all that pressure on us, and we feel like it's on us, and we're not supposed to ask God for the small things. I am guilty of not asking God for small things. Right. I, I, I feel like I should be able to handle the small things. He should have given me enough wisdom to deal with that on my own without having to ask him. He's got a whole universe he has to listen to. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got more problems in his world than just Tom. Yeah. So, think, and, and, right. and that's where I fall majorly down yeah. on is that I can handle this. I, can ha I don't need God for this. And when I do need God... Then, I, then I'll call on him where I should be relying on him every day for, let's say, common sense, because I could use a good dose of that a lot. All right. hope everybody enjoyed that first part. This next part's going to be about a little bit uh, different topic on biblical manhood. I believe we kind of get into the relationship portion. Uh, what is the difference between our relationship to our wife and family versus how the wife perceives their relationship to us and our kids. Originally, when I made the podcast work or edited the podcast, I tried to force those two conversations to be an all-in-one audio, but it just did not work correctly. So I've come in here to explain why we've done that and hopefully enjoy the next section. Certain expectations we have of women, and it's just a natural thing. And not taking the check is one of them. <laughs> oh my God. And I oh, think that, man, oh. You know, once you strip away, once once a man is capable and mature enough and it, the maturity level changes, it's not about age. It's just about understanding each other's role in the family. But like I said, I think there are just certain things that women are not supposed to take care of. And that's just how it is. You just can't do everything. And I think men are strong and, and, and you're supposed to take care of your family. Those are things you're supposed to do. If they don't like that. I don't know what to tell him. Well, okay, uh, I'm gonna. I'm just the truth. Brian are innocent in this. Look, man, uh, I can delete it. I'm not. <laughs> well, innocent in that. Delete it. Okay, but I do want to. I do want to pivot off of this one, and because this is in the same context, and we're in Ephesians five, twenty-two, um, and it says, "Wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord." Now that's a really important verse because we read that and we say, "Wives submit to your husband," and they are to be submissive to their husband. But the caveat of that is, as you go to 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Is himself its savior. Okay, God, God is telling us very, very specifically that we are the head of the household. 
and that that is our duty. And I will say that, you know, that rests on our shoulders, Nathan. The problem is, is that we don't always do that. Well, no, I'd say not always. I'd say a, a vast majority of us do not do that. We do not take that responsibility seriously, that we are the head of the household and we are to be the ones that are guiding that ship biblically, hmm. biblically. Yeah. A lot of us like to guide the ship in every other way, but we do not want to guide it biblically. Yeah. And so we need to be guiding the ship biblically. And when we guide that ship vi- biblically, we should have that burden on our shoulders. Because I, I was, I think I was talking, I was talking to you and Tom on vacation. I said the greatest, my greatest fear is the salvation of my own children. That's that's my that's my number one goal. That's all that matters. That's yeah. all that matters is what they're doing. And so then it, it goes on. It says. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. So that's all about the submission, all about the submission that women need to have to their husbands. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, there it is. It's there. But you have to read on. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We are supposed to love our wives in a sacrificial way. And I've said this before, and this is not necessarily biblical, but I do believe it rings true. You know, hey, I'm saying it because it's my opinion. I, you know, when people say you're opinionated, you think you're always right. Well, of course you think you're right. It's your opinion. You wouldn't right. say it if you think you're right. Exactly. I find it very hard. I have not seen many cases. If a man will love her and treat her the way she needs to be treated and guide her as Christ loved the church 100%, she will get on board. I mean, w- women, that's why you see churches populated with women. Because they are naturally inclined to follow Christ in a way that men aren't. Because we are stubborn, we are bullheaded, we are prideful, we are not humble, we are not servants. We don't have any of those characteristics. And I'll talk about that in a minute. We don't have any of those characteristics. So if a man is willing to submit himself and love his wife completely and guide her in a biblically godly way, I I just find it, I find it nearly impossible that she will not get on board. I find it very, very impossible that she will not get on board. And you talked about a minute ago, when you talked about a minute ago, leading your family uh, biblically, uh, what are some tangible ways you can do that? I'm just, well, I was sitting there listening to you and I, and I, you know, but what comes to mind when you, when you say that, when you say we're not good at that, uh, you know, that a lot of men don't lead their family in that way. What, what are, what ways do you mean specifically? Well, I think one of them is we should be the one probably setting the culture. Well, not probably. We should. We should be the one setting the culture of prayer in our in our families. And, um, you know, we don't always do that. I know that I don't always do that. I'm very blessed that I have a wife that has a strong prayer life. And, you know, we set the culture of prayer at night with our children. Um, and I'm blessed that my wife does that during the day with them during schooling. You know, we homeschool. But I think the culture of prayer is a huge one. Um, biblical study. It is a huge one. I do not set that culture either. My, my wife does that because they homeschool, and so that's part of their curriculum that they do. Um, but I'd say just what we pour in. I mean, we can't expect, you know, we can't expect our kids to use proper language unless we use proper language. We can't expect our kids to love unconditionally unless we love unconditionally. They are constantly looking at yet seeing that. And I, and I, do, and I do this in school all the time as a principal. I tell, I tell my boys all the time, I said, if you ever hear me I said, you have, if you ever hear me yell at you and cuss at you, then you have permission to yell and cuss at anybody you want in this building, but you won't. And sometimes I get in trouble because I'll say, I want to know where you learned how, to, where you learned what that said. And they'll go, well, my daddy. 
or my mama's boyfriend or whatnot. And I look them to the face and say, I want you to go home and tell them that this is inappropriate and your principal said so. And if they have a problem, they can come and speak with me about it. That's great. Yeah. To this day, I haven't had anybody, but I'm <laughs> sure I will in one day, you know, in this, in this culture, will. I will I'm have sure some plenty to say at their house about oh, yeah. you, but just won't man enough to come and tell you to your face. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I do, I think that's, that's an example. What do you, what do you think? I know you might have some ideas too. I mean, both of y'all, you know, I, I was, you know, I heard you say, and I mean, no, those are great examples. And, and I, I like that you just brought some of the small stuff, like, you know, not the way you, you know, you, you talk, you just not using coarse language and uh and i think a big one is how you carry yourself and how you how you treat other people but especially your spouse i mean i think you know and it's, we were we've made some references to being in tennessee we all went on a trip um over the last few days and it was a great trip and um but like we were running pretty hard there and i, I can't remember it was like second or third day i mean that second time we hit that outlet mall <laughs> and Christy and I are one of those couples that we we truly rarely rarely get short or have arguments, but things just got a little out of line and it we just got a little snappy there on the way back to the car. Well, we got in the car. It was one of those awkward like you know our son's in the back and he's like, oh man, this is you know, <laughs> and but in the court and that was a, that was a situation. Now I didn't pray out loud, but I prayed. I was like, all right, we've gotten just we've gotten a little out of sync here. This is not a big deal. We're tired. And and I the thing was, instead of keep the argument going and always just calm down, give it a little time. We hadn't eaten all day. That was a huge oh, one for me. Yeah. Oh man, that yeah. environmental uh exposure to yeah. stress right then. Yeah. Well bottom line, we, we ended up at a five guys. We all had a big fat greasy burger and Cajun fries and guess what? After that. We laughed and uh you know, before well, actually when we walked in there we all laughed and we was like, All right, put it in team, all three of us and we and the, but one on one with my son, I'm like, you know, I'm like we talked about how I handled that and how that could have really turned and I was like, you know, that's something that can turn into days or weeks resentment. or a lifetime of resentment. Yes. I'm like there was no need to keep talking about it. We were just frazzled and let it go. And it was literally a 10 or 15 minute thing. I mean, and I'll pat myself and her and Christy on the back. That's we, we handled that well. Yeah. But I realize he's seeing that. And, you know, he's I, hopefully that made an impression. He's going to remember that one day because he will find himself in a similar the situation of each other. And I want to yeah. keep yeah, and I want to keep this PG. I'd probably pre pre preferably G, but I I do think it's important for our children to see that we have a um a, a, a rocking marriage. There you go. In a lot of ways, I mean, I think it's really really important to give physical affection. I don't know what in, your love language in is. In front, in front of, in front of your children. I mean, it doesn't have to. I, I mean, when I say that, I mean you know. But you, your children should should see you hugging your wife. Your children should see you yes coming up and nuzzling them or, or holding hands. They should see you playfully bantering within one another, and I think that's an important thing. And I think it's important for the church to see that as well, to where they look and they go, "Wow, that's that's an important that's an important marriage with you know within biblical man." And also, you know, simple things, you know, uh, simple things that that is is respectful is how is how you build each other up and in whole in and bring each other up. Maybe you know you you cook dinner and you know y'all work together to do dishes and, and things like that. I just think. There's so many small intangibles of, of service that you, that we can be representative to our children and yeah. to everybody around us. So I, I know I talk about children, but, you know, 
our, our children grow up or we don't have children and we're representatives of other people too. We're all our church all around us is, is seeing that in the, in the community saying, you know, I feel that children especially learn more through observation than they do through teaching. Yeah. Um, they will mimic what they see, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Yeah, we are and, tender. And, like we are, like you said, mimic is a good word. Yeah, like, we do. We we mimic from a time we're small. It, you know, if, if daddy can use the word, why can't I? Yeah. If 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 daddy, you know, holds mom's hand, I can hold mom's hand. You know, these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, the best you if as far as I'm concerned and my brain goes a little squirrely, y'all have to apologize. But I seriously believe that what people see is where they're going to get their impressions and what they're going to think. Oh, yeah. And, and, and how they're going to see things is how they're going to act. Um you know, they see dad outside working in the yard. The, the child's going to be outside working in the yard. If they see dad sitting on the couch drinking a six-pack, guess what? You just raised another alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just the way it's going to be. It, it, it is, that is a sickness that will just keep rolling and rolling and rolling, and you don't know where it's going to stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just like when and if, if things like the bad habits of your father come out, then uh, you mentioned this a lot. You kind of just, um, it's a curse, you know? Because your father, if what your did he father, call it? Generational curse. That's what that was the word. Yeah, you, you, you all had to leave that day. Yeah. Because your father, you know, is such an impact on you when you grow up, and your mother is too, of course. I mean, but I think you too. You know, that's an important thing as as fathers that we have to look at too. And and I, I see this a lot, especially in the work that I do, is that people are they have that pride. Like I said, I say it all the time. The beginning of all sin is pride. I know that my dad was a great dad. But I know that my dad wants me to be a better dad to my kids than he was to me. I know that's what he wants for my kids. As a grandfather, he wants me to be a better dad than he was. Well, that's what I want for Derek. I want Derek to grow up and be a better dad than I ever was to him. And we are such prideful individuals that we're afraid as parents to admit, man, I made a mistake in that, and I hope that you're able to do better. And you see that a lot. And I... I don't see you don't see that a lot with Christian with people that really really fought. And I say Christian loosely. You don't see that a lot with really really God fearing people yeah. that are following. But you know you do see a, you do see a pride situation in those who are not following. They, they don't they don't want to admit that they've done any wrongs. Yeah. And you see a lot of situations where you have um, where you have you know grandparents raising children, and that's a noble thing that they've done. But you you encounter it where grandparents are raising children and they say, well, they're not going to talk to me like that. Well, obviously, at some point in time, somebody did talk to you like that because you're doing this again. Right. And that's right. a really controversial take to say, but it's just the truth of the matter. We make mistakes as parents. Yeah. And we need to be okay with saying that we made mistakes and we want to rectify that. Now, I will say something you're probably going to want to edit out. But <laughs> if grandma and grandpa are raising the grandchild, that means they screwed up with their own child. Yeah. Yeah, I said that. It's true. Say it that way. I know, that's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> I know, I'm gonna probably leave it in there. <laughs> we did. You know, talk, talk, talking. I got six kids, You didn't say it. <laughs>
He's got a distinct Tom voice. That was you're, Tom you're, that you're, said that. He's the blunt one. There you go. First, you get, every, from now on, when you speak, Tom, you're just like Tom speaking first. Yeah. And then, you know. This is Tom. Quotations are Tom's. Tom's had some good no, podcasts. So it was, it was that the world according to Tom. No, you did good. But, Tomisms. Um, that's a good podcast. Tomisms? That, no, no. The oh. world according to Tom. That would be a podcast. Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, going back to what qualities a, a biblical man would have is, and going back to the prayer, I mean, it starts... You know, we men have such hard hearts, and I think we we grow up depending on how you're how you're raised to be. You know, you've always taught you're supposed to be super strong. You know, and then you you don't become vulnerable enough to to teach your kids this communication. You know, you want to be known as this big and tough guy handles everything on your own. But I think that the vulnerability part of it, where you open your heart and you allow the kids to see how you can be in that that mode uh teaches them that it's okay to be in that mode and uh but yeah so are we are we uh that was a good question brian to jordan well, well we talked a little bit today in church about um we were in the book of proverbs in chapter six and we talked about how the ant stores up and and, and builds for the future uh, i got a big rabbit trail to get to where i gotta get on this one okay but Keep going. Um, what i talked about with that was the fact that we, we we talked about how we have a lot of carnal nature in us. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking in, a, in an evolutionary standpoint here, but we do have a lot of aspects of animals. Yeah. We have that instinct in us. What separates us from that is that we're made in, 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 in the likeness of God. That's what separates us, our soul and our likeness of God. And that we can create and that we the thing create. we want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But we do have a carnal nature in us. Yeah. And they did a study... Um, and I don't know if it was on chimpanzees or apes or whatever, or gorillas, I don't know what it was. But the study that they did was is that the male of the male that was there, that was the most aggressive, he was able to take over the, whatever you call it, the tribe or whatever they are. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the, you know. For, for gorillas? For, for whatever. It was, something, it, was some, it was some type of monkey. It was a chimpanzee or, you know, whatever or whatever. But anyways, he was able to take over very quickly because of um, his, his, his just his aggression and the way he did, because they would naturally go to him at you know for that, mm -hmm. but it was always short lived, and they did this study and they said, but the apes that showed a kinder, gentler way of leading, but in a strong way at the same time, they were the ones that had a long lasting control mm -hmm. over something, and it goes back to that. Um, in men, we we see, you know, we're, we're naturally inclined to watch, you know, uh, you know, movies where there's an aggressive action person is taking. We 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 naturally inclined to watch stuff involving mobsters and stuff mm -hmm. like that. We gravitate towards that, like, oh yeah, that's what yeah. I want to be. But it, even in those movies, you see their reign is never long lasting. Yeah. It's always short lived. And you know, even Moses talks about that. Sin is short for sin is fun for a season. It is mm -hmm. and. And you can have great control very quickly using that carnal side of you, yeah. that long-lasting control. And it's the same way in your marriage. And so when you have kids who are growing up, we see this this macho, this is what I want to be. And we've all been there. We, mm -hmm. we talk a big game. We say things that we regret. We all have sins from our past that we definitely regret that we did based off of that. But if we had have controlled ourselves a little bit better and lived in the way of, of a biblical man, mm -hmm. we would have seen the results that we're getting to see now much earlier in life, and we wouldn't have had to go through so many hardships. Right. All right, so the break in audio there is us taking a five to ten minute break. And when we get back, we are talking about uh, man's fearlessness in his relationships. 
being able to dis discern tr truth from falsehoods. And it's a great conversation. I just wanted to make sure everyone realized that the breaks in these audios in this recording is due to the fact that we did record for a long time during this session. So I had to go through each segment, kind of break it down, figure out which was good enough to keep and what was not good enough to keep. So, but yeah, on to the next segment. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, so we're going to continue on here. Um, I also wrote on here when, uh, let's see, I believe prayer with God can help children speak to their fathers the same way we speak to our Father in Heaven. When this is done correctly, along with proper discipline and respect, a family can grow their relationships within the household and out into the world. Uh, biblical man, biblical man isn't fearful. It is important for a man to learn the truth and share the truth. And we must stand firm by the Bible uh, and firm against confusion and unlawfulness. Uh, both confusion and disorder will cause the fear from the start. Here, regular Charles Spurgeon. Look Thanks. at you. So, so yeah, I think is that, that the guy that swims up river. No, Spurgeon is the guy who's like his. He's like he's like quoted. I know. I, I was playing I with Sturgeon. <laughs> he's, he's quoted all the time on different things. You got like with these with these little faults he has on scripture. It's really. Good. He used to have yeah. a Spurgeon King James version Bible. That was it hard was to say. Intense. Yeah, that was something yeah. like it was pretty. It was, a Spurgeon version. Spurgeon version. Yeah. He's, it was really nice. I'm about to okay. I'm gonna so, that way. Everybody, so I'm gonna. I wouldn't look through that whole book because it's probably <laughs> something in there you don't. A lot of music. Where you're at, so I can talk. Can we use it against you? Better faithful. And, you know, the fear thing is a big problem. I think for 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 every man and every person in the world, basically. I think that the way you handle fear is just through prayer. Like I said, on there and and. Uh, on a daily basis, I know that I, I think it's really easy for all of us to worry about whatever it is, and you know you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like I said earlier, that that place in your head where you're 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 creating these thoughts, that's where God is. That's where He He can He knows your thoughts. It can also so, be where, I, well, I, I can argue also that can also be where the devil is. That's a, well, that's exactly right. That's I mean, exactly that can be right. where He's He's implanting His thoughts, and. In his mind, because he's going to see um, what would you would you get anxious. Um, he's going to see what you get anxious about. He's going to see what you what you're fearful of, and what yeah. that looks like. Well, yeah. Well, let's go back to that. What what are we fearful of? Well, I think you know. Well, I think your thoughts. I mean, they could just be that. Just your thoughts, and you know, one of the things they teach in recovery is how much of um, you know your addictions are are driven by fears. How you're paralyzed by fears and you know, um, you can, you know, manipulate yourself with different substances to kind of help with that, um, which that help comes with consequences. But, um, you know, I, th I think, yeah, I think sometimes those thoughts in your mind, that's what I was talking about earlier. I got so spun up in my own mind about, you know, I got away from that whole one day at a time mantra that mm -hmm. is really good to live by whether you're in recovery or not that's i think that's loosely a christian principle like you know talk yeah i mean it talks about thing in matthew you know why how is being anxious gonna gonna help you in any way yeah. and i you know and i like i said i just totally took everything i learned and just forgot it for mm -hmm. for several days and just yeah. worried myself today spun got spun up with my own faults was that the enemy was that the devil i you know, I don't. I, th I think it was, 
it was me and it was me not going to God. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was, I was causing all the stress about something that even that looking at it now, I've went to prayer about it and it's like, this is, yeah. it's, it's not even a big this, deal. You're living in the physical um, world you know, where, you, you know, you have to put yourself, I guess, when you're thinking, you have to put yourself kind of, you know, like you said earlier, it was a day by day. I had a thought, but I just missed it. Well, but well, what I, I'm I, saying is a day by day, you know, you're, you're, you're living in the world, the worldly things. Worldly things cause fear. God isn't afraid of anything. Well, he has no fear. So. I think Brian's right, though. He talks about the day by day, and it's, it's good for us to live that way. And you know, and obviously, you know, we've been studying the Book of Proverbs in, in church, and it talks about being able to, you know, prepare for the future, store up, and in, in that way. And I do think we also need to be cognizant and not be reckless with what we do. But think about the things that cause us fear and the things that cause us stress. So much of it is things that we've created ourselves. We have such a, um, you know materialistic mindset of everything not just things but just activities and stuff and everything around us that the more you know the more balls that you throw in the air the more chances you have that one of those balls is going to fall and when that ball falls it's going to cause stress on you yeah and i mean i know that in my own life with you know the foundation that we're sitting in right here sometimes i i I overextend myself and I think to myself, was it worth it? And it right. causes me all this stress in my life. I'm like, it's a good analogy about the balls because you know, in life, which ball are you trying to make sure you handle the most? It should be our family and our, our family, right? And and what happens is our our profession is like, do you you want to be really good at your job? You want to be respected at your job. You don't want to be known as someone who's not capable. Um, and you have to put time in that for yourself and for your profession, and you're getting that for your family. But what happens is a lot of times is that men and women as well, but both uh, are, are so invested in their jobs. They're just so busy juggling that. It's just that completely they drop the ball on one end. And, and then we've had that problem, my wife and I, where she'll work forever. And she thinks she's just got to keep going. And it's like, you know, who, you are, who are you serving? Are you, are you serving God? Are you, are you serving us? Are you just wanting to serve money? Because that's, I mean, really, we don't need the money that bad. I'd like to see my wife occasionally, you know, every day, actually. Every day, I like to see you every day. But, you know, I'm just saying no, you man. have to choose who you're serving in life. You can't just, you know, your profession is important. Yes, I mean, is. you have to make a dividing line between where, where it ends, where you're, uh, where you're stopping for this one and going and giving more to, to this other one, which is your family. Well, I think in the end, if you decide that you're going to be intentional about being with your family, and taking time with your family and you and you still work with a person that has a hard work ethic and you're a person of integrity, your profession won't truly suffer. And my, my best analogy is I, I worked for I worked for an individual for a number of years. I'll try to keep this as vague as possible with employee, but I worked for that individual for a number of years. And this person was one of the longest tenured people in that position at the time. In fact, I think they were the longest tenure position. And um, she retired. And by that afternoon, they had filled her position with someone else. And so the following year, I, I had an opportunity to put in for a position. And I felt like by putting in for that position, I was being disloyal to the individual who had hired me. And so I called my former boss, and I just I just told her, I said, this is the situation I'm in. I said, I feel like I'm being, being disloyal by putting in for this position and this opportunity for the person that gave me this opportunity. And she, she just said, look, 
I did this job such and such for a number of years, and by the afternoon, they had me replaced. She said, she said, you always work with what is in the best interest of your family and you financially at the time. She said, because... They, they don't. They don't. They, and it's the truth. I mean, you know, I mean, in my job or in y'all's jobs, whatever, I mean, I can be the greatest at my job. And I mean, I can, you know, do a fantastic job. But in the end of the day, I'm not irreplaceable. Yeah. And, you know, it might hurt and someone might go, oh, man, we really miss him. He did such a great job in, you know, a week. They're fine. No, it's true. They're, fu- they're functioning. Nobody's begging for you to come back. It's you know this place can't. Uh, this place operates just fine without you. Yeah, but some people use that excuse as uh, they'll replace me in a minute. So why do I need to work so? No, hard no, you shouldn't have that. You shouldn't have that idea. You should right. always work with the integrity. I'm replaceable anyway, so I'm not even gonna do half yeah. my job. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. Either. You know, you you were talking about your wife working all the time and all this and that. I feel that as the husband, and I am supposed to provide. For my wife, the house, you know, making sure that we have things that we're supposed to have that we need, not just our wants, but our needs. And that pressure is always there. You have to pay the bills. You have to, you know, provide the house, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's also a sense of security for the for for the, your spouse whether it be your woman your wife making extra money to pay off the house early or whatever it's just helping with the sense of security right yeah that's that, true okay this is now mine nobody can take it away that's very true yeah, yeah but also i mean but if we reduce things in our life as well i do think it's important and i and i'm very guilty that i have not reduced enough but i remember the time in my life that was probably the most peaceful for me was when we lived in the hospital with our daughter mm. And the reason was is because I had cut the cable at my house. Mm-hmm. All my cars were parked at, at Duke. Mm-hmm. I had, I mean, my heat was down to 55 all the time. I had no obligations at my home. I wasn't worrying about anything at the house. You were focused. I had one focus, and that was to sit with her every single day. She napped on me. I slept with her all that the entire time. And that was one of the most peaceful times of my life. And I, and I look back, and I go... Wow, I didn't have that many balls in the air. I had one. Mm-hmm. It was her and Connie, and I and, and I had I had two that I was. But then we'll, as soon as you go back, you start buying stuff, and then that thing breaks, and you're stressed about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I look at. I mean, I I, I bought a chainsaw. You create. You kind of create the problem. A chainsaw, you know, a few months ago, and then I couldn't get it cranked. I was just thinking about well, all those things. things are gotta, terrible. I gotta take this thing. I gotta figure out how to get it cranked. I'm like, I'm stressed over something that I purchased. That I caused yeah. trouble with. Yeah. Chainsaws are notorious for not cranking. I could have told the guy. I could have told the guy. Should have steel. Yeah, yeah. I could have told the guy when he cut down my tree to take it all off. But no, I want to be hard headed. I want to. Well, you want to be a man. I want to cut, cut that tree down yourself. I'm just saying, you Power know, tools. <laughs> when you think about all that, you're like, man, the stress we create in our life of things that we feel like we have to have. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Well, that was. I, that's all I had in my book. Do you have anything else, well, guys? A lot here we didn't hit on. Nathan. This is a little. Well, I want to get to something else uh, at the end. Show. But if you if you guys have more, on I mean, I just read that that you just want to be fearless. There's no fear in a day to day relationship with God because you know that that worry is just going to sink you down and weigh you down. I think. But there again, as human nature and as as men. We try to put all the burden back on ourselves. No, mm-hmm. I, I think that even the most godly person in mm-hmm. the world, uh, it still tries to carry burdens on itself and doesn't release everything to God. It's just so hard to give up control. Yeah. 
I'm pissed. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for you to sit here and say, God, do with me what you want. And that's, first of all, you got to hopefully you hear him right. Because yeah. I think I made that mistake about four months ago uh, with my career choice. Um, thinking he, he opened this door for me to walk into. And it doesn't look like that door is as good as it should have been. You yeah, know, yeah, but we'll we'll find out in the future. Yeah, you don't know quite yet. You right, know, it might be. So. Uh, so I mean, did I listen to the wrong person? And you, you know, you was talking about that empty space, and it could be the, uh, God in, talking to you in that empty space, or the devil in that empty space. Well, me being the oldest of the group remembers the old cartoon character where the little angel would pop yeah. up on one shoulder and the little devil would yeah. pop up on the old yeah. other shoulder and, and try to battle it out with you and then figure out which but, way you went. The devil can only do that if he understands the foothold to which he has to operate in within our life. And you open that door. Right. And he sees that, you know, and, and he understands that. And so maybe if, if our fear is a financial security, which is one of mine, He's going to operate in a way to, to, to place seeds of doubt in you to where that is a stressor that's in your life. And no matter how much you have or how much you attain, it's always going to be there if you allow him to do that. And so we have to be very careful with what we allow that footholds in. And that, that includes our speech because he can only control what we speak. He is not omniscient. He is not om, he's not om, you know, omni, omnipotent. Know, omnipotent. Sorry, he's not omnipotent. He does not understand our thoughts. He can't get in there. The God can, but but the devil can, and right. we have to be very, you know, purposeful in that. Brian, you were going to say, yeah, I think you were. No, I was just, I was. It kind of goes with what you just said, because I, I, when I think about like my own fears, like, you know, at seventeen, I went into the military. I've been, you know, doing law enforcement. I've been in quite a few situations that I guess in hindsight, I mean, there was, well, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some physical danger involved. Now, and I don't want. I, look, I'm no. I'm no SEAL Team Six guy or nothing like that. Okay, you know I'm not trying to paint it out like, but but those kind of situations, in the moment, I mean, really don't cause me fear. They're kind of exciting. It's an adrenaline it's rush. Taking care of the job, and and that's not the kind of things that really bother me. You know, my fears are more like like you said, I, the enemy will play on those like insecurities I have about, you know, not living up to others' ex- expectations or. Usually it's it's not even their expectations. It's what I perceive their expectations to be. And that's exactly. what, you know, like I said, I'll yeah. spin up this stuff in my own mind that's probably not even true. You know, how, you know, I start projecting how I think you mm-hmm. feel about me and how I should do a and job. that's how you start feeling. Yeah. And then, you, you know, and you get, you can get so lost. I can get so lost in that world and that, you know. Everybody, that's everybody. Bro. Yeah. I mean, and, that's the thing that, for I me. Think, that, well, that's what I was going to say. I think. That's how it is with most men. I mean, I think, like I said, most of us, you know, if somebody breaks in your house, I mean, you you know, you're going to do what you got to do. Yeah, you're yeah. going to... Hit them with a You're going to... Yeah, whatever. Knock them out with a chair. You know, I would highly... I'm a proponent of Second Amendment. Amendment. I would... <laughs> there's better means than a chair. But anyway... Yeah, and you're right. You're right. Yeah, we can talk, that yeah, we'll talk about that later. Stick but most men... I got know, a pretty nice chair. We don't walk around in fear of that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but you know, fear of, you know, not living up to... Mostly the expectations, a good point. truly, that we probably put on ourselves. That's a good point. I, I, I agree 100%. Kind of stuff. And it's hard to go to God with that stuff because of pride. Right. Because, you know, it's like, well, I, this, I should be able to do this. First, you could acknowledge it. And you have to be like, all right, this is what I'm doing well, that, myself. That's, you know? And that's a prideful thing. to yeah. you, you have to get through that. So I think looking at that situation I had just a, recently, it was a pride thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't letting God through to that because I'm like, I, this is... 
I should not feel this way. This is not that big a deal. I should be happy about these new responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and I had to get to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm I'm in a bad way right now in my mind. Like I need you to help me, God. And, so, and then immediately, almost immediately, things begin to get better. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, nothing changed, right? Other than my response, your thoughts, right? Your, your... Well, you know, you talk about fears. Um, I'll be open and out front. My biggest fear is basically not making it home from a trip one time and what's going to happen with my wife. Yeah. I mean, yes, I have enough life insurance to cover all of the bills. She won't, she'll still have to work. I'm not, don't have quite as much to cover her for that. And at my age, I really can't afford that much life insurance. Um, it, it gets up there the older you get guys. So get it while you're right, young. Right. Um, but, um, I, I, I wonder what, what will she do? Um, jokingly i tell her just you know throw me out back in the building get rid of all my stuff and go about your life and i i mean that seriously also because you can't dwell on if i don't make it home one trip yeah yeah that's as long as you i think financially taking care of my wife is my biggest fear right and uh my second biggest fear is probably when someone comes to my funeral if someone comes to my funeral. Um, oh, by God. It, well, I mean, you never know. I offend a lot of people. Um, <laughs> you know, are they going to, what will they say? Was he a good and honest man? Um, was he just the scum of the earth? And I'm, I came just to make sure he was dead. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that's that's another yeah. thing. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's the We Are One podcast on biblical manhood. Hopefully soon we will be doing episode three of Biblical Manhood. I'm not sure we are completely done, but it's always hard to tell. So on to the next one, everyone.